TX Water Polo Podcast. I am James in Austin. That's Joe in San Antonio. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing good, James. How is being an empty nester? It sucks. It sucks. It was very tough. Took the kid to the airport yesterday. Kenna's in um, London as we speak. She's all set up very nicely. It's just me. I'm missing my. Uh, I'm missing my partner in crime. Like, uh, it's going to be very interesting. And she's an only child, so I got nobody else to lean on, Joe. You do have your wife, MJ. Uh, she's fantastic, but there's something about that kid thing that's, uh, it is serious. I'm not in a good mood, so we're gonna... <laughs> we, we can compare notes in 18 years. So. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, between you and Tom Andrew, the people that I know that have the youngest kids, it's, it, I'm now kind of jealous, you know, I'm like, man, I, I wouldn't mind starting all over again. Uh, in theory, in theory, I'm, you know, it's, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, it's funny to walk around the house and go look in the room and like, oh, yeah, she doesn't live here anymore. It's very, very uh, tough. So and anybody who is an empty nester, you have my sympathy. It is rough. It is rough. And- well, good luck. But, you know, we can focus on all the water polo that's going on here. Oh, yes. that's uh, That'll help everything is focusing on water polo. Um, <laughs> Austin College, they uh, went up to Brown. They came home one and four. We were. This is not a surprise. This is not a surprise at all. They um, competitive games, uh, lost to Brown by ten, beat up on Connecticut College by 11, 19 to eight, uh, lost to Air Force. That was probably a bigger margin maybe than they might have wanted, sixteen to four. Um, lost to Harvard. Harvard is really good, um, twenty one to four, um, and then lost nine to four to MIT. And that's the team that we really want to go after because that's the that's a at least an obstacle to getting to uh, Division three national championships. But uh, you know, a good start to the season. Um, your boy Max Wade had a bunch of goals and all of that, so uh, not not too bad. I am not going to take credit for Max Wade. Yeah, um, I mean that is Mark Lawrence and that crew. Yeah, I coach Max kind of here or there, but Max is Mac. Yeah, Max is Max, and he's done a great job there. But yeah, I mean, no, I mean it's, and I think I think you, I think we mentioned it last week that Mark Lawrence would like to play a little bit tougher teams the first weekend, sure. and I think they're going to take it this weekend off. But then they have a bunch of home games against some very uh, kind of winnable opponents in a couple of weeks. So Penn State, Baron Con College comes to town, Augustana and Washington Jefferson, and my, uh, you know, my conversation with Mark was a large, a, a bunch of it was about how. Um, that facility just reverberates when you get enough people in there. So those teams coming to Austin College are going to be facing the wrath of all of Texas water polo in that area. It's going to be, and and I will say it, they should emerge from that weekend 4-0. and So um, that's, a, that's a, a, a good remedy to this last weekend where they went up to, to Harvard and to Brown and, and had some challenging games. And that is going to be Friday, September 16th. They, have, yeah, they play Penn State Baron. Then they have a couple games on Saturday, September seventeenth, and then they have oh, one game on 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 Sunday, September eighteenth. So there's a ton of games. You can go to Austin Water Polo uh, kind of website to get the specific times and teams. But yeah, this is in Sherman, so so it's probably worth the trip to go up there and play a little bit. Yeah, and watch. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, right. and then there was a there was a there was a there was a, a like an interesting story on the East Coast. There was a there was a team. Um, I'm not going to mention it, but if I you will. It was Bucknell. It, you can. Yeah, no uh, Kind of Bucknell. Sure. They, the Bucknell men, they had their coach get a red card and their assistant coach get a red card this past weekend. That's a double threat, man. And so they had to cancel the game that they were playing because they had no more coaches left, <laughs> and they had to forfeit the next game. Yeah, to Biola, a new program. That would and been, yeah, that is that's a tough nut to swallow. There, I mean. <laughs> 
it's like, you know, a, a couple things there. You like, you got to just be quiet at times, you know, you got to know what, I mean, I am sure getting red cards in, in college is not the best thing, you know, but, uh, you know, especially that, especially if the assistant got the red card, uh, like kind of after the co- like the head coach was kicked out, you got to know I can't leave or this, or, or this happens. Yeah. Like the consequences and, are severe. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, it's, and it's, and it's one of those things where, I know there's during high school season now, and there's people that are upset at the referees. Well, guess what? People get upset at the referees everywhere. Yeah. You know, coaches and athletes, you know, just sometimes things aren't going to go your way. It's how are you going to respond? Yeah. the uh, It is a common refrain among coaches. And you, you and I both coach and referee, so we sort of kind of get it in some ways. But um it's like, how many times do you ever talk to a, a coach? I'm like, oh, um, referee was terrible in that game. And that coach may be right, but any decent coach who's been around for a while knows that it sort of comes around, goes around and comes around. And um, so, of course, you're going to face referees who may, may be less skilled than others, but uh, you got to overcome and react, right? So, um, But you know what Do you know what ends up happening is that is that coach that always pitches and, uh, and complains – and they and they don't get the calls. Well, you know what? That, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, that seeps into the referee's mind, mm. and they just know. Oh my God, it's going to be this coach. Oh God, you know. And that doesn't that that's not good. No. It's and not. I was and I was a coach a long time ago. That probably the referees kind of kind of thought that about, and I had to shut the hell up. <laughs> and I mean, I learned that you know. It's not it's not the right thing to bitch and complain about each and every call. You know, kind of kind of during the course of the game, you can talk to the referee kind of here and there, sure, but then they start listening and then it's a partnership, yeah. right? And you're working together. And that's what you want is, you know, like you want to be able to communicate back and forth, you know. And I always thought, I mean, this is this is this is one thing that I tell uh, coaches now. You don't always have to agree with what the coach calls or doesn't call. But you have to understand why they did that. There is a reason why they blew the whistle or, or a reason yep. they didn't blow the whistle. And it's a teaching opportunity f- for your athlete because if your kid is excluded and then you just start yelling and screaming and putting your hands up and yelling at the referee, that kid's going to get mad. The parents are going to get mad. Mm-hmm. When, it's, when, when all you have to do is say, kid – I don't necessarily agree with the call, but you're in bad position. Your hands are down. What's it look like to the referee? Absolutely right. Okay. And then you go up to the referee a different time, a different way and go, listen, what do you see there or what have you, you know? And then there's a different way to communicate. That's just my little two cents on that. Didn't mean to go off on that tangent, but you know, it's just, I see a lot of coaches that all they do is yell and scream at referees. That tells me that they don't know what to tell their kids. It's also it's yeah, and that's it. It's poison for your team. Like uh, we've been we've been around coaches who, it's essentially blaming the referees for their poor performances basically all the time. And the how are you going to teach your kids to be resilient if that is your attitude? It's like well, can't win. Could, you know, we're, things are set up against us already. You know, we just couldn't possibly win. It's like no, overcome it, overcome it. It's not always possible, but it's better than the alternative. That's for sure. And I get it. I've been there, done that. I get it. Coaches get mad. I've just learned over the years there's a better way. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah. I mean, 
better or worse, but there's certainly one that's actually more kind of uh, meaningful, right? It's uh, it's about way more than winning that one particular game, even though losses suck um, and uh, wins are nice, but uh, it's more it's much more. We talked about this off the air. We t- we have influence over young kids, and that's huge. And that's the thing is that your program is really geared toward steering kids in a generally correct direction altogether, not just for water polo. Anyway. Yeah, and another thing we saw with the high, with the college scores is there's a. I mean, obviously it's the first weekend. It, we, like we saw this, we saw this with college football too. But there were a ton of blowouts. Pepper and I beat Whittier thirty-four to five. Yeah, there was another score that was like 28 to 1 or something like that. Yeah. And I understand, I get it. But, you know, I don't know if anybody wins in those situations, right? And I'm a firm believer that a coach going into a situation where they know they're going to win by a lot, it's a tough thing. You need to keep your kids focused. You you need to to make sure that they don't uh learn bad like the wrong skills and do the wrong thing and yeah, and but it takes a lot of effort as opposed to you can sit back and just cross your arms and just let them counterattack and win 28 to one or sure. But there's also, it's an opportunity. You have two refs, you have a pool. Let's practice. Yep. Let's, let's, That's yeah, let, let's, let's work on stuff. We don't need to wait till you're up 10 zero at the yep. end of the first quarter to do it. You know what going in, have a plan. I'm, so I'm, I know uh, I, and, and I know for those coaches that, yeah, that kind of reach out and kind of know me, that's what, that's what my belief is. But I do know there's, there are some, there's some opposing views to that as well. Well, I'm, I'm for, I'm with you. Like I've done the, my entire career, I started coaching on and off basically right after I graduated from high school. So I was coaching Long Beach Wilson summer games and, uh, with Rick Jones as a USA water polo hall of fame guy. And, uh, he was, you know, very good at what he did. And was convinced at that moment, like, that's what you do, is you take the opportunity to work on things, to learn, to you, you learn stuff. And so when I have kids in my current situation and we're blowing out a team, I'm like, why can't we just continue to blow out this team? I was like, because we're not learning anything. It's dull. It's boring. It's bad water polo. It's, you're not learning anything. But there, I finally had this described to me. I'm around all these European dudes and they're, and you probably know some of whom I actually spoke to about this. And the attitude from certain European quarters is, no, no, no. The the crowd and the opponents expect to show that you show your best. And so that is what they're looking for. This is their claim, not necessarily mine, right? Is that that's what they're looking for, is they want you to perform as best as you possibly can, regardless of the score. It's not running up the score the way you would think in our you know, from our point of view, it's basically just performing as well as you can. And um, I understand that, and but I you get know it what? Too, but it's uncomfortable to me. It's a, it's a, I had a describe, I had a, there was a piece that I read one, once upon a time that was about that difference. And it's essentially an Anglo-Saxon version of fairness versus, you know, this other version of excellence. There are competing views, but I just happen to adhere to one, not the other so much. I don't know. Yeah. My whole thing is, to those that talk about, oh, this is the way we do it back in Eastern Europe. You know what? We're not in Eastern Europe. Yeah, that is that is a difference. You know, granted, I do wear my hat of I'm still selling the sport here in Texas to athletes, to parents, to school districts, to ADs. Um, so I want people to have a good experience, right? And I think it's just the responsibility kind of, uh, uh, of that coach. I mean, start your bench. You know you're going to win. Start your bench. And have your starters go do a swim set. Challenge them that way. Mm-hmm. You know, there's different ways to do it. You just got to be creative. Yep. So, I mean, I know it's easy just to sit back and kind of let them do it, but 
sorry, I'm getting a little heated, so we can go off to the next subject. Well, speaking of youth, we're going. You and I are both going up to the colony. Joe, have you? The colony is one of the most awkward names for a town that I can remember. Like, this, do people call it just like I don't know? It's weird. Is it's the colony, or do people just say you know Dallas, or I don't know something like that? I say North Texas. We're going. Yeah, to we're going to North Texas. Armadillo Classic uh, Mavericks are hosting the uh, that tournament at the Eastside Aquatic Center. You and I are both going there. Um, me with an eighth grade and under team. You with a sixth grade and no, under team. We have, we have an eighth grade and under team. Oh yeah. Okay. We might face one another. Good. That'll be awesome. Um, and uh, this it's uh, the first year that this takes place essentially as. And again, you are going to dispute this. I think, but. I completely view this season as an eighth a middle school championship. Like these are middle school games, and they are determined by what grade you are in, as opposed to what age you are. Um, and so I just love it. I just I used to not like it so much, but I really like the notion of you get all the eighth and seventh graders together and they play and compete against one another, just like the high school teams play. And kind of yeah. like the high school teams. I, I, play. And I don't know why I would dispute that. Well, because we've had that thing where it was fourteen it. under. I know. I know. So, um, yeah, I mean, every there's three weekend tournaments this yeah this fall. They're all eighth grade, sixth grade, and fourth grade and under. So, you know, yeah, they're all grade based, which is great. And um, and I and and I believe that that's like you know during the high school season, like the way that this, the way that the year is going to be scheduled now, it's going to be as soon as the high school season's over. Most yeah, kind of most tournaments are going to be August one of 2023 or August one of the following year or the current year. Yeah. So it's going to be kind of, kind of building your teams. There's no more of that awkward club season in the fall yes. where you're still using those kids from the summer 12 U. Yeah. They just turned 13, but they're technically still eligible. This kind of eliminates that a little bit. Exactly. It gets those. So basically it, it really just encourages people to graduate their kids to the next level. That's it. No ninth graders, right? Right away. Now, granted, there might be some some ninth graders that can play down in 14s, but that's going to be after the high school season. Yes. They can do that. Precisely. You know, so and and just kind of kind of my big thing is just these kids have tournaments of their own. Yes. You know, and then there's the Armadillo Classic this upcoming weekend, there's the Almo Classic which is October 8th and 9th in San Antonio, and then there'll be the Tags Water Polo Champs which can be the weekend before Thanksgiving back in North Texas that is going to be hosted by Pegasus. So, and that, I think that's going to be a Garland. So, oh, um, it is. All right. Yeah. It's listed at SMU right now, but I know things change. It's just, yeah. Listed and so, that. and, uh, so it's going to be, it's, it's a ton of events. Um, I think a lot of people are doing game days kind of, kind of between times. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's great to have these different like kind of athletes playing teams playing. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I wasn't sure if we were, we were going to get enough kids that, yeah, that wanted to go from the Alamo kind of area team, but, but yeah, kind of, but we did and we're going, um, this is kind of a, like, you know, the first tournament uh, 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 of the year, everybody's going to play, you know, granted there That's is right. a championship. So, yeah. and so it, it's like play everybody and then try to win in the fourth quarter. I have got a bunch of new kids. I'm very excited. I really am. Like it's the first time we've never had more, of that age group so it's it is very cool so there's a lot of people who are very eager to go play in the tournaments and so here we go it starts that it starts this weekend and uh, ends with tags my unofficial middle school championship in uh november so we'll look forward to that um meanwhile masters nationals was out in california hops sent a yeah, couple yeah. teams out there 
Yeah, uh, we had hops from yeah hops, which for those that don't know, that's that's the primary uh, master team that is located in Houston, Texas. They sent out a thirty-plus team and a and a fifty-plus team. The thirty-plus team, they won their first game, but then they lost a couple really close games, and they lost a, a one goal game to the team that eventually won, and then a one goal game to the team that eventually got third place. Then they ended up, because of this, the way things kind of shook out, I think they ended up in sixth place. So because they played a little round robin between five, six, seven. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was a good, I mean, that, I mean, that was a good showing by a team from Houston. So, there you go. and then they also, there was a 50 plus team out there also from hops. Um, I think they got eighth or ninth out of 10 teams. And, you know, again, it's, it was only a year ago that we actually hosted. That's right. Masters National, very memorable. In North Texas. Yeah. And there were a ton of teams up there. I think there were like 65 total teams up there. And, uh, and, you know, granted there was more out in California because there's just, it's a little bit kind of less Much like easy. there were, yeah. there were uh, less restrictions, less, a lot of things. And, but, you know, I'm just hoping that we can get Masters Nationals back in Texas here within the next couple of years. It was very popular. Um, so it, there doesn't seem to be very many impediments to that. And, and as we've spoken about ODP heading this way as well, like I, it just seems a natural fit. So, yeah, I hope so, too. No, no, it's, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's great. And, and kind of kudos to the, like the hops people that were able to organize and get people to go out there. Very, very good. Okay. High school, um, we'll go to the rankings. They remain exactly the same. Brazoswood, Highland Park, Carroll, Strake, and Dawson on the boys side, on the girls side, Foster, Flower Mound, South Lake Carroll, Side Creek, and Brandeis. Uh, although we're things watching. are things are going kind of chalk right now. They're chalk. Board. Yeah. So um, and district games are, are more and more, but and so um, we'll be looking for results from that. Um, we had our two players of the week, um, Roman Duong from Highland Park. Um, he had a good weekend, and uh, Clara McKee of Foster High School, uh, goalie. Um, she uh, undefeated Foster Falcons. I didn't realize that they were undefeated, but there you go. And uh, by the way, Roman had uh, 26 points, five steals, and six earned exclusions. Those are the kinds of stats I like to see. So congratulations to them. Those are the two players of the week. Um, yeah, so please, if you're listening, spread the word. Yep. We need we, yeah, we need more submissions. Yep, so. yep absolutely right. And congrats um, to the people that that are being are being selected and there are being people that are are being nominated kind of kind of, kind of each and every yes, week but for sure. we have but, but we haven't had a nomination from the san antonio or austin area yet. we haven't had any nominations from the rio grande valley yet that's right um we can always get more from houston you know it's the same schools so get out there please nominate and how <laughs> and how and how do they nominate james yeah, there's a you can go straight to txwaterpolo.com and go on there and P O T it's a player of the week. P O T Y player or sorry, P O T W. P O T W look for that uh, forward slash P O T W. It's also on any one of the stories that we post that publish, you know, how uh, who, who is the player of the week? You'll be able to find a link, and there's a, an online survey that you can fill out and uh, submit their name. So, yep, it's available on txwaterpolo.com. Go look for it right there. Um, Speaking of high school, um, bl things are blowing up in San Antonio, and you have – well, you're going to speak to him later. Her. Uh, her beg your pardon. Uh, Carrie Brothers, Northside ISD's water polo coordinator. What, what's uh, – this is an, an, a name that obviously you've been interested in talking to. Um, what was it that made it so? I mean, what is it that's going on in Northside that uh, makes it so that a conversation with her is something we want to hear? 
Well, the biggest thing with Northside, and for those that don't know, uh, it's Northside ISD in San Antonio. That's the that's the location of the Welcome to Texas shootout each and every year. The big stadium outdoor pool. Exactly. Yep. And uh, But this is the first year in like 10 years that the Northside School District is playing outside of themselves. Right. So, you know, they're playing teams from like, you know, from Kamau and Austin and uh, and Alma Heights, and they're playing different people, which is huge. It's a huge step. And this is just this was one of the things that that we knew was going to be happening because of the UIL. And I'm kind of and I'm kind of curious to talk to to Carrie. She's the water polo coordinator there about kind of how the teams are doing about about how the teams are adjusting about the challenges and such like that. So, yeah. So tune in and kind of listen to the interview coming up next. Well, here she is. Carrie Brothers, Northside ISD water polo coordinator with Joe. Hey, this is Tony Azevedo, five-time Olympian. Uh, you're listening to the TX Waterpolo Podcast. Welcome to today's TX Waterpolo Podcast interview. Today we have Carrie Brothers, who is the Northside ISD Waterpolo Coordinator in San Antonio, Texas. She does a lot of, of like, that's that's one of her many, many jobs there. Um, Carrie, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I mean, thank you for taking the time to come on here and talk a little bit. Um, and again, you, you've been a little busy this year. You had, you know, the spring season, you know, obviously you help with the Welcome to Texas kind of shootout. And um, now we are back into another high school season. So, I mean, this is a lot of water pole for you guys right now. It's great, though. We love it. Um, I think this has kicked off our year in the right way. And I think it's um, helping to promote a great team atmosphere um, early on in the season. And, and we're only in September. And I already feel like our new kids have bonded with the old kids that have been here and the veterans. And they're already you can already see the cohesion happening. And I think water polo is great for that. Um, it's, it's brought a competitive spirit and kind of made this place alive early. And we like that. Yeah, it's good. And I, and, uh, and I hope you're feeling this, like the stadium pool there, um, as big as the football stadium kind of next door. So, um, but we can't, uh, I mean, we can't complain about that either. <laughs> so, I mean, so, I mean, as far as, you know, the, um, the cohesion of the athletes and the camaraderie, how have the game has been going and, and kind, of, and kind of how are the teams doing as far as the structure? Like kind of kind of explain how you guys are playing your non-district games, your district games, et cetera. So um, we have 13 total high schools this year. We just opened our 13th. And with that, UIL split us into three different districts. So we have, I think, five teams in one district, six in another, and five in our third district that we're assigned to. So we kind of – we built a round robin system for our games and um, two of our districts compete at the same venue while our third district competes at the new Southwest ISD pool. And so um, all of our games have been housed here at Northside. Our teams have also taken up offers to go to other venues like um, uh, Southwest or Alamo Heights, um, some Kamal schools, and they've been doing non-district games there as well. Um, during the week, mostly, um, all of our games here at Northside are played on Saturdays. 
So we dedicate five Saturdays to to getting all of our round robin games um, through. And uh, we're almost complete with round one. So this Saturday at about two o'clock, we'll have completed the first round. And then uh, we'll move into the second round robin phase of that, uh, where we move to seven minute quarters. And we're gonna, you know, up the stakes a little bit more, keep that that record, um, you know, we're going to keep our teams being competitive. Let's just say that. So getting them ready. Yeah. It's just, so you're playing games this Saturday. I think you guys are taking off the Tisca weekend, correct? Correct. Yeah. And, and then you're playing the rest of your games on the September 24th, October 1st. And then that goes right into kind of the playoffs and stuff. Right. So, so now, um, now, I mean, obviously this is, I mean, for those that are just listening and don't know, this is the first time that Northside they've been playing water polo for the last 50 years. Right. But for the last five, 10 years, they have only been playing amongst themselves and they've, and, and they would have a, like a regular season and then the Alamo cup at the end. So this is a big change from this past spring to this fall. So how is that transition going between playing only North side teams to playing teams outside of North side? So I think most of our teams have really enjoyed that outside competition. Uh, we started the, the season off with a big, like, open scrimmage for the city, basically, where we had teams from all over that were playing with us. And it just felt different. The energy was different. The level of, you know, I've got to get up and play was different. Um, and it was nice to see other teams in the city also playing water polo. Um, because for the longest time, it's been, you know, Northside, Alamo Heights, and a little bit of Bernie. And, um, and I think now we're starting to see Comal come, come around and we're, you know, we're, we're seeing and hearing about more teams out there that are, that are getting into it. And I think it's great to see that the sport is growing here. I know it's been um, a mission of yours and of USA Water Polo to, to let it grow throughout Texas. And I think y'all are seeing that come to, come to play now finally. And um, you know, I give a lot of credit to you for the hard work you've done to promote it. Um, when I met you, I think we were just getting word that UIL was going to shut down state champion stuff for basketball. And we were getting ready to plan water polo for Comal two years ago. So I remember <laughs> yes. that. Yes, and, we did. Um, yeah. And, yeah, you so. know, just being that I was on that end of things in Comal when I was there, but, um, but seeing them now get to play and have all the equipment to play and everything, that's huge because then we didn't have that. And, and the athletic directors there did a really good job of getting things prepared for them to be able to play too. So, and before, and before Carrie moved to Northside, she was the head coach of Smithson Valley High School for swimming up in Kamal, which is, a, which is just north of, of San Antonio. Um, and then she went to Texas A&M, kind of where she played club water polo there before. And before that, she played four years of, of high school water polo at Judson, right? Yeah, it was about three. Um, we started late into my sophomore, junior year, but we did get at least two good seasons um, through Tisco that we played. Yeah. Okay, good. Made me fall in love with it. So it did its job. <laughs> I just think it's fascinating that you guys are playing kind of outside of, of district schools now. And I, and I think, you know, there are some teams that are taking advantage and going and playing some different people. Um, like I'm kind of seeing, I'm kind of looking forward to maybe in 23, 24, 
where you get some schools that will travel to maybe right. uh, North Texas or Houston to play different teams. And also maybe getting some teams to come from Houston or North Texas to come down for like a beginning of the year tournament, uh, right. and such as that. So that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yes. Again, and we're, we're, we're really excited to see it um, branch out more. And we hope that more teams in our area will find it compelling to, to join us. Um, but I think also, yes, like Austin, Houston, Dallas, um, the Valley, everybody has stuff going and we've, we've never really gotten to tap into that. And I think now it's going to be a great opportunity for us to, to go there, them come here, whatever we do um, to, to get that experience under our belt, playing the harder teams, playing the bigger, you know, the bigger teams that are ranked higher and, and those things that only makes your team better. So I think that's where it's at. Exactly. So, I mean, obviously kind of going into the fall, you know, it was kind of almost like, okay, we're not quite sure kind of what we're doing, but what are the expectations for the various water polo teams? And I know you have a very wide range of expectations for some schools and the other schools. I'm just curious. So kind of, kind of what are your overall kind of, kind of expectations? I think first and foremost, like it's fair to mention that we added, I think, eight coaches to our staff this year. Um, we added a head water polo position um, along with our swim coaches that we already have. So those guys didn't go anywhere. They just either decided to do just swimming or to help out with water polo. And we brought in these new coaches. Um, a lot of them are, are brand new, but have water polo experience. So I think first and foremost, it's getting those guys to grow and to learn what we do here, um, how we do it. We have a lot of different systems in place that kind of help our coaches support each other. But I think at the same time, um, allowing our kids to grow with that new coach as well. And they've done a phenomenal job so far. I'm, I'm very proud of the progress they've made in two months, one month, whatever it's been. Um, just earning that respect from their kids and their kids are listening, they're responding. Um, and I think that that's going to continue to grow with them. But I think one of the biggest things for us with water polo here is just to continue to promote that team atmosphere. And it's not about any one player. It's not about any one thing that can win the game for you. It's got to be a total team effort. And I think that's kind of how we work here anyways. When we host events, we do all those things. It's never just one person doing it all. It's got to be all of us helping. And um, I think promoting that factor of it has really, really been, it's been huge because you can walk out at practice and you see coaches kind of stuck side by side collaborating a little bit and then they break apart, try it. Um, they feed off of each other, um, the energy. A lot of the kids play club water polo together and they're from different schools. They know each other. There's some good, healthy competition there. Um, so just promoting the healthy part of that, um, you know, being competitive, still doing your job out there in the water, but, you know, also at the end of the day, having fun and doing the thing that they love. I mean, they're falling in love with the sport and you can see it right, right in front of your face when you're watching. Um, their parents are, 10 times more intense watching water polo than they are to swim meet. I guarantee you. And they are all coaches. Now all the parents are ready to coach whenever, whenever we're ready because they, they watch what their kids are doing and they're like, no, no, swim here, swim here, you know? So 
they're becoming way more involved in it too than well, what we what we had. It's good that the coach, like the parents are a little raised up from the deck. They're not right there. Yeah. On. yeah. So, but like, so you mentioned like the different schools. I mean, so we're not, we don't want to leave people out, but who are some of the stronger boys teams and who are the, who are some of the stronger girls teams from Northside? So, um, like I said, we have three districts, so I kind of think about it in three separate little categories. I'm going to start with like District 29 because they play at Southwest. So we don't have all of their games here at our facility, but Holmes and Jay boys are doing really well. And Stevens girls and Holmes girls, they're, they're all playing very, very good water polo right now. Um, uh, the other teams here in District 26, um, Brandeis and Clark are two of our top teams. Um, Health Careers is right behind them. It's anybody's, you know, it's a toss up most weekends who's going to get there. Um, in that district, though, we also have Bernie Champion, who's not within our Northside system. Uh, we've kind of adopted them, but they're not directly part of our district. So uh, they're a very, very good team. And, you know, the, the level of competition in that district is it's going to come down to the last second of every game, I think, for those those records to, to see where they end up because they're they're pretty competitive, um, especially on the boys side. I, I feel like the competition on in that district on the boys side is it's pretty intense and, and it's fun to watch. So, yeah, the boys can get a little. <clears throat> yeah. Intense. <laughs> Um, yeah, and sometimes that's positive and sometimes that's uh, not so positive. So, so, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's, I, you know, I think they're, they're growing in their skin and I think it's good, healthy fun. Um, oh. the, the other district that we have is District 28. And this is, uh, this one's kind of a, it's been fun watching this district evolve this fall already because a lot of these kids put in some work over the summer. And um, you can tell that they've been playing club water polo um, because their level of play has gotten better. Their defense has gotten a little grittier. And um, so like Brennan, Harlan, O'Connor, uh, Warren, some of those teams are, are really starting to separate themselves from, from the pack, if you will, um, in their games. And, and they're making some big plays. Yeah. So, well, we don't, I mean, and I know a lot of the kids play club kind of, kind of with me, but we don't wave the medical wand. We just give them opportunities to practice and compete. That's yeah. not, that's not what I meant to talk about and stuff like that. No, no. But, um, but no, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Like the top four teams from each of those districts that you mentioned are going to get to go to this, to the playoffs. It's going to be interesting to see how the playoffs are going to be working as far as scheduling and games and stuff like that. Then yeah, there might need to be some, some of the midweek games and stuff like that. So it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge, but I think this, again, this is the first year, right? Right. It's going to be, you know, there's lots of challenges kind of this first year, but it's, it's going to be a lot easier in 2023. Right. There's going to be a longer, there's going to be a longer runway to plan and it's going to be even better in 2024. So, I mean, besides kind of the scheduling and stuff like that, so kind of, kind of, kind of would have been some, some of the bigger challenges that you've had to deal with this fall. Um, I think, for our teams, it's going to be more of a challenge moving. Like I said, this weekend, we're going to move from six minutes to seven minute quarters. Mm -hmm. um, that level of conditioning, you know, um, some of that's going to come out. We're going to have to respond to that. Um, 
playing outside teams that are tough and that didn't know we're there. That's, that's a challenge. Um, you know, we always have the weather as an element. So like last weekend, we, we finished up our last game and um, then we got just poured on. So we made it through till five o'clock and like right at 449, it started. So we, we finished it, but that's a challenge. Um, and just seeing the development in our new players happen and our new coaches, like those are all challenges that we face, but I, we're pretty confident that um, we have resources in, in place that can help all of that grow. So, I mean, so, I mean, in your crystal ball, do you, yeah, do you foresee some changes that you're going to be trying to do for 2023 already? I think it's going to, I think it will be different. Um, as far as, yes, the outside teams coming in, I, I feel like our coaches are going to have the spring to really plan what they want to do instead of having to, that's usually when we've coached water polo is in the spring. And I think this spring might look different for them in the fact that they can really take a deep breath. They can regroup and they can really plan out what they want their season to be like. Um, I think that time's going to help them be even more prepared for next year, um, you know, with their, their game plans and having something to go off of from this year and knowing how the playoffs will work and how teams look outside of us. And, you know, they're starting to use huddle as an analyze and as an analytical tool for their videos and studying film, which they'd never done before. So these pieces are all kind of introducing them into the team sport aspect of it that all these other team sports have been doing for years. And our coaches are just now getting there. So um, it's been a curve, a learning curve for them. But I think if they put in the time to really, really study it, I think they're going to be better for that as well. Yeah, I think everybody's looking forward to taking at least the high school coaches and such are looking forward to taking that deep, nice deep breath in the spring. You know, from basically a year, basically, or a year and a half straight of just go. So, I mean, especially with this whole, like, you know, spring season, fall season, and especially right. starting on August 1. But, Carrie, thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. For this. I appreciate kind of good luck with the games this weekend. Good luck thank with you. the season, and I'm sure I'll be seeing on, on the pool deck. Great. Appreciate right, it. Thank you. That was Joe's conversation with Carrie Brothers, Northside ISD water polo coordinator. And with that, we are done, right, Joe? Yes, we are. That is it. Thank you all for listening, for telling a friend about the TX Water Polo Podcast and the Total Water Polo Podcast. Until next time, so long from Austin. Loved you for one million years. If I thought our love was ending, I'd find myself drowning in my own tears. You are the sunshine of my life. That's why I'll always be around You are the apple of my eye Forever you stay in my heart You must have known that I was lonely Because you came to my rescue And I know that this must be heaven 
How could so much love be inside of you? You are the sunshine of my life. That's why I'll always be around. You are the apple of my eye. Forever you stay in my heart. Cause you are the sunshine of my life. Light my fire, light my fire. Light this has been a production of TWP Sports, LLC.